Hello, James. Hello, Jack. Oh, I feel good today, James. I feel good. Why is that? You know, because we're joined by truly a longtime Just Hands listener, one of my favorite Just Hands listeners, uh, that's a certainty. And yeah, being on, being on here with him just makes me appreciate how long we've been doing this uh, and some of the good people that have been with us along the way. Uh, we've got Germaman. Germaman. Hi. How are you doing? Well, welcome to Beyond. Uh, I'm doing well. Thank you. How are you doing? We're doing well. Thank you for joining us again. I think this is your second time on the show. I believe the other one, there was one other instance, yes, but I think that was a private instance. Um, All right. There was, there's a separate episode. Oh, so you're, you're a premium. This is it. So this is your first time off the premium channels. Yes. All right. Well, then everyone is in for a real treat. Gamerman crushes his way around uh, the northeast part of his of the country. You might catch him at the Borgata. You might catch him in home games. And I guess these days you'll probably more likely catch him on where you're playing like Poker Bros, uh, Poker Two, uh, any of these other apps. Anything that you'd recommend or warn against? Well, in New Jersey, Poker Bros, which was a site that I would play on for a home game that was switched to being on poker bros because of COVID. Now, uh, as of Thursday, they're supposed to be inactive in New Jersey and a handful of other States. So, uh, that won't be, uh, my go-to, uh, we're going to switch that game to uh, PP poker, I believe. But if I'm playing online, I'm on uh, party poker NJ, which is a Borgata app or home games, which have thankfully started up again. Yeah, thank, very much thankfully. I missed it. I really did. That's, that's disappointing about Poker Bros, but is this a, I guess, is this one of the last Poker Bros New Jersey hands that we're going to talk about? No, no. Actually, this is a live hand. Live hand? It, it is the uh, second time I got to play live poker. People in New Jersey have started playing uh, getting people together for home games for about two weeks now. And this is one of the first hands that I played since getting back. Certainly the first hand that I've played with this particular group of people. So everyone's awesome. just getting back into it. Anything, uh, any, and I've asked this question to a couple of guests now, but I'm wondering if there were any sort of noticeable changes in terms of, you know, are people looser, tighter than they were, uh, richer, poorer? More aggressive, less aggressive? Uh, for, for this particular group, it didn't seem like things had changed much. Um, it, before uh, COVID, uh, this particular group tend to play definitely much looser than I think recommended and would do so passively. So the, the icon, like splashy player, the person who Mm -hmm. looking to play a lot of pots cheap, but then on later streets only really put money in with a dotted hand. I think that uh, generalization would work for a lot of the profiles in this game, and that didn't change. I know the type. Awesome. All right, well, set the stage for us. Who are you sure. playing against? How much money do you have? Those sorts of things. Sure. So this game is a 2-5 game. We're playing uh, full ring, uh, nine-handed. And uh, for this 
particular game, people would, the amount that you can buy in for is between two to 700. Uh, most people buy in for three to 500. So there's always a consideration of short stacks at the table. Um, mm -hmm. So in this instance, uh, for this hand, there is one person who limps in, the cutoff uh, raises to 20, and he has about 600 left. I'm on the button. I have ace, eight of diamonds. I choose to call, and the big blind calls, and the initial limper folds. So uh, 67 uh, pre-flop. OK, so we had an early position limp, cutoff opened. We call on the button, big blind calls limper folds yes um and i neglected to mention the big blind stack uh the big blind has about 150 behind after calling oh okay uh, and then i cover both is it typical for people to limp fold in a scenario like that yes so the the person who limp folded had a stack of roughly 200 but they chose to limp fold it okay so that's common and the other part which is also common, but it is what the big blind did of calling 20 with 150 behind. So if they're uh, going all in, it's typically a very strong nutted range, but there's a lot of calling where they call a significant portion of their stack pre-flop. Okay, makes sense. Yeah, the reason I asked about the limp fold is just because I think it's it can, it can maybe be a slightly stronger or sorry slightly weaker range that opens to 20 in that spot if there's a significant amount of folding that's happening yes um i can see where you're going with this i think this player profile would probably be doing that so there is a little bit less of the the top of range for the cutoff exactly that person the uh the cutoff profile would definitely if for example they had let's say aces would probably make it 25 or 30. There is that slight adjustment. Oh, sounds good. James, anything, any other comments about pre-flop? Um, I, yeah, I typically like calling in a spot. I think in like the splashier games, it can be pretty profitable to over flush people. And, um, you know, we're on the button. So, yeah, I'm, you know, I'm definitely V-pipping this hand. Um, I think I know that um, some players have advocated three-betting some of these middle aces, like ace-8, ace-7, ace-9, to have some coverage on the middling boards which is often a very weak spot for the three betting player it's kind of interesting but um yeah i don't know i i like the call here how deep are you with the cutoff um uh, with the cutoff i'm 600 effective um after yeah. the call this is the type of hand i normally don't three bet but I do think that as games get shorter, it's more appropriate 
is a three bet just because the value of this type of hand comes a lot from being able to dominate better hands uh dominating eight x sort of two pair dominating better aces and dominating other flushes and so that's much more important at like you know deeper stack depths relative to the preflop opening size so you know if you're a thousand plus deep with everybody that you know who's relevant to the hand i think we have a very clear incentive to call i think once people are a little bit shallower you know particularly like let's say the the person open with like you know you guys were 400 effective then i think we start to shift more into the difference between calling and pre-betting is maybe less uh against especially against a range that you think might be a little bit you know sort of lacking some of the strongest hands and could be relatively wide uh, just because you're in a game where there are folds. So it's something that I think should be considered. But yeah, I, I think calling is obviously very reasonable. Yeah, and there's the other side to this too. Um, like I mentioned, the if anybody shoves behind, they're, they're going to very clearly have me dominated. So if I'm three betting, I'm putting myself in a spot where if I choose to fold, it's kind of a disaster. But if I choose to call off, I know I'm calling off with yeah. a really, most likely a very bad situation that I'm putting myself in. So that's a good point. So it's an interesting spot where, like, if you're going to three bet, or your three bet range might be incentivized to be relatively small, maybe like 45 something like that right if there's yeah. a lot of short stacks behind like well with around 200 or 250 dollars total yeah well certainly in this spot it would have to be because uh the big blind only started the hand with 170 there's the limper also in play he's got uh, about 200 to start the hand so that if three betting that would have to be the play i think yeah just so that way there's enough ability to get away if those checks uh those stacks do decide to shove behind awesome all right on the flop sure uh so we see the flop it is king of spades eight of clubs seven of clubs uh big blind checks uh the cutoff uh continuation bets for 30. i i choose to call and the big blind folds so we would be 127 to the turn. And yeah. how, how deep are you with the opener again? Uh, the opener, I'm, I am 600 okay. uh, effective with him. Do you have a, what are your suits? I have the ace of diamonds, eight of diamonds. Okay. So. Yeah, call looks good to me. I mean, I think you want to keep in dominated aces. I think that's really important. That ace turn is such like a, I mean, it can obviously can be a disaster, but like it's very often going to be your gym card. And so raising and having better aces, or sorry, not better at this point, but like ace queens, ace jacks, those types of hands fold uh, is really not great. And even if our opponent doesn't have an ace, that's still a high frequency 
bluff spot for them. They have a hand like queen jack, jack 10, something like that. They'll pick up additional equity and um, barrel there a lot. Wow. Uh, There's one piece that I would want to add to that where starting to get into this particular opponent, he's the person I would say who's the most aggressive at the game. And so he's certainly going to be continuing here wider than a lot of the other player profiles. The one thing, though, is I've never seen him uh, use a hand like Queen Jack or uh, Ace Queen, uh, those types of hands that I uh, think we'd all like to use in the spot that have some sort of uh, either potential where they're blocking some of the nutted kings on this board or or in the case of an ace where you're able to draw to a better top pair, I don't think he's deriving his bluffs from that portion of his range. I I think his bluffs are going to be more focused on hands that are going to be semi bluffs. So I think if he's not continuing here with a king, it's a lot of like 10, nine, nine, six suited, mm-hmm. uh, two clubs, so any suited cards like that. So while there could be some like queen jack, queen 10 type of hands, I think they're only going to be like clubs or spades, maybe. Well, Certainly, I, I would have a hard time envisioning him continue with like queen jack of hearts on this board. What about, okay, so like queen jack, ace queen of hearts, you're not expecting those types of hands to bet. Correct. What about like, what about a hand like Ace of? It's clubs that are the draw, right? Correct. So what about Ace of Clubs, Queen of Diamonds, for example? That could be continuing. It'd have to be exactly the Ace of Clubs, though. Hmm. I would think. Well, given this information, I still think call it definitely makes raise a little bit better in my mind. More so for equity denial purposes. I don't think, I think we are pretty happy to see a hand like, let's say, Jack 10 fold. And I think that's a hand that there's going to be a lot of hands like that. And a lot of them aren't going to have a flush draw. And I think a lot of those sort of like draws that aren't a flush draw will fold to a raise. And that's nice, but particularly what I think is nice about a raise and i still think i favor call for what it's worth but what's really nice about a raise is the effect on big blind uh who just has to fold a ton has a hard time i think even with like reasonably good kings uh like a king nine king ten you know they're fortunate in that they're not very deep so potentially they just shove and you know if they're gonna do that, then obviously our raise sort of sucks. But if we can get some flush draws, straight draws, you know, middle pairs with outs against us or even some kings to fold through a raise here, that's really potent. And so that's something that should be at least considered, especially if there's not quite as many bluffs that are like doing really poorly against us from an EV standpoint 
in cutoffs range. So I like call, but I would consider raise. Okay, and unfortunately, I don't. It didn't write down who the big blind was, so I don't know. There's a couple of players in this game where, if I had certainly raised even to, let's say, sixty-five, seventy, they they'd fold King Jack without question. So there's definitely a lot of possibility there of being able to get some King X to fold, but it depends on the the profile. And I just, I don't remember which person exactly it was. Yeah, whenever whenever you're in those spots, it can make playing three ways just super profitable when you can leverage that third player out of the pot. What's also Mm -hmm. nice is that whenever he has a king, he folds. The other players, not very likely to have a king at that point. You just win a lot. It's pretty nice. But yeah, I think... uh, this is still a spot where there's a lot of good reasons to call as well. Mm-hmm. Um, we've already established that like you will dominate some ASEX, even if like the worst ASEX type hands are not going to be seeding in this formation. So uh, onto the turn, uh, 127 in the pot, and the turn is the ace of spades. Well, look at that. Yeah. Well, now we just have to hope he doesn't have ace-king or kings or aces. It brings in the flush, right? No, um, but it does bring bring the backdoor flush. Okay. So the board's now ace of spades, king of spades, eight of clubs, seven of clubs. Uh, So the action in this spot went, uh, the cutoff continued for 65, and I chose to call. What are your thoughts here, James? This is, I think this is very interesting. I think it's pretty easy to over or to, yeah, just like bluff it maybe a little bit too high of a frequency here from our opponent. They're going to have a lot of, you know, they're going to have a lot of equity because they can have either flush draw. Um, I'm wondering, do you think they would construct bets with, like, King X with the with the flush draw or Ace X with the flush draw? Or would they be, or would your opponent be more inclined to play those for, like, a check call on this turn? Um, or are you not sure about how they're constructing? What do you, what do you think, uh, Guillermo Man? Do you think they would your opponent would be betting with like King X of Spades? Uh, from a Spades perspective, if they chose to continue, yes. But I only think it would be maybe Queen Jack of Spades, or like Queen Jack of Spades, Queen Ten of Spades, Jack Ten of Spades might be the only Spades that are continuing. Okay, um, so if if you you don't think they're your opponent's betting like pair plus flush draw here i think uh I oh think no we have a spade we have a suits confusion okay the flop was king of spades eight of clubs seven of clubs i believe yes so uh, so i mean like so king x, king of, x clubs. of clubs yeah sorry no so for king x of clubs ace x of clubs i do think those are going to be bet as well mm-hmm. 
Hmm. Uh, that yeah, that leans me more towards Ray's. I think yeah, I just I think there's a lot of equity that our opponent will have on this board, and um, yeah, we can maybe get some denial by raising here. You know, I I like it more if we have like a good idea what to do against a shove, but I think probably call it off here. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I'm leaning towards raise here on this turn. I have a question. If you turn brings in the front door flush draw, let's say, how frequently do you think your opponent will, or if you raise here, and the river brings in the front door plus draw. How frequently will your opponent lead, probably as a shove, with a flush? Hmm. So in other words, if your opponent, let's say, has enough flush draw, they turn top pair, they bet, we raise, they call, and they make their flush on the river. Will they? Do you expect that player to check or to bet again? So with the action going on the turn, they bet, I raise, they call. River being, they lead out into it. Um, I do think that the probability is probably slim. I think this player would wa- rather want to check raise all in on that club than go for the uh, all in lead. If we raise the turn, we're probably looking at something like uh, setting up like two thirds to three quarters SPR. Right. We we would make it. Uh, I I guess probably one ninety, um, and then they'd have three hundred ish back. The reason I ask is because if we can, whenever we're up against someone who's pretty reticent to lead, it gives us a lot of. There's a lot of control as the imposition player. And so if if we could raise here, and I was confident that like either our opponent never led at all or never led as a bluff, uh, and if those are functionally equivalent for us, then I think raising is really awesome. And the more our opponent will lead as a bluff, on the river, the trickier raise becomes just because of it, it puts us in a situation where we get blown off of the best hand right. on we some rivers get, when we never would if we just called. Right. We wouldn't get clean information. If we think they're being honest about only shoving flushes, then it's easy for us to release. But then at the same time, if they're willing to take, let's say, um, an ace of clubs, queen hand from the flop play it as a bet call and then just lead all in on the river when the flush completes. That that puts us in a really tough bind. Right. I, I would lean more towards that this player type probably isn't leading the river, but I'm not certain of that. I, I suspect that they might lead when they have a some of their flushes, but not... Uh, 
a nutted flush. So like if they have uh, a six of clubs here, for example, I don't know if they're going to lead all in on the river if I raise the turn, but I think they might be more apt to if it was the nine six of clubs. I'm, but I'm not entirely sure. I think this player would lean more towards just checking and calling off or checking. And if I had bet smaller than all in, just go all in himself. Yeah. Our ideal scenario, if we decide to raise, which I, I'm, I'm leaning towards agreeing with James that raise is best. Um, but our ideal scenario is that our opponent always leads with like river value and never leads as a bluff. And what's nice about that is if they check, then we will normally have the best hand and we could just shove for value. And if they bet, we can just fold mm -hmm. uh, because AC will almost never be like a perceived value hand uh, facing a river lead. So if we can get that kind of information, it's really great. That would, that would make me very much want to raise turn if we face river bluffs it's trickier it's also tricky when we face a turn three bet i'm curious Garman, if let's say we raise to 180 and you faced a shove what would you want to do uh against this player i probably would be looking to call off if i went for a raise um i do think this player would take some of his uh, ace-x of clubs that turn to top pair or his king-x of clubs and consider them combo draws um, and just go with them. Same with a hand like 10-9 of clubs. I think the other hand that he would have with that line would be ace-king, which would put us in bad shape. I think there's some percentage of the time he has that too. So I'm either against, I'm either drawing slim or I'm against uh, some sort of pair plus draw or straight and flush draw combo. Yeah. Yeah, it's tough. Like, uh, you know, how... To me, it kind of feels like it would be suicidal to three-bet bluff in this spot, which makes me like raise... I like the idea of raise full here. Which is like, it's really an exploit, obviously. But we don't have very many better hands than Ace in this spot. And our opponent has a range advantage. And, you know, in theory, they should have the incentive to bluff, I, I guess. But, you know, really, I just don't, I don't see why, how 10-9 of, like, what hand does 10-9 of clubs think it's going to get the full here? You know, Once it goes for a raise, yeah. Right. Uh, I would think almost nothing. So, yeah, I, that's really, to me, a tough decision, but a, one that potentially, if you feel good about it, can make raising like an unbelievably strong play, where if we can raise fold, then we limit our losses versus like these hands that uh, have us kind of crushed the ace kings and sets of the world uh, and we play rivers potentially exceptionally well 
there is a world where raising here is just like insanely good relative to calling. And so you just have to kind of try and determine like to what degree do you live in that world. If we can't fold to the three bet, that makes raising, you know, not quite as good. Much worse actually. And the real reason is because if we just call, then we don't end up losing that much money to sets and better two. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have to three call off a three bet, then we like sort of sign ourselves up to lose our whole stack when that wasn't really necessary. There's one other uh, path that I was thinking of in the moment against this player type. Um, and that is the thought of what is the expected value of playing the river against a blank. And so I, I for this player profile, I think it likely that if a blank comes off, there's a third bet coming in. So call it like a two of hearts, a bet's going in. Seven of diamonds, the third bet's going in. And so one of the things that at least led me towards call is that at the very least, if this person's going to put in the third bet that, I don't want to say bluff, yeah, bluff catching is probably going to generate a large amount of value in a spot where it might not against some of the other players at the table. Well, I wanted to ask you guys, what do you make of this sizing? Because to me, it seems like it's a bit small for a board that is this dynamic, right? Our opponent's betting half pot. I'm wondering if that's maybe more like like an ace queen or something that's kind of trying to set its own price. I wonder if our opponent had value, like if our opponent had ace king here, I'd expect a bigger bet to come in here because of um, all the, like that shifts us towards having a lot of draws. So I think that because of the sizing, I'd expect to be good here a bit more often. I think that's a good, a really good observation. To me, the level of sophistication of our opponent matters a lot here. It is an advantageous card for our opponent, such that I think uh, we might expect to see, we maybe should see a smaller size from value. You know, I mean, probably from our opponent's whole range, but I don't know. It's tough because there's a lot of, I think it just kind of, it boils down to like, is our opponent the type to worry more about getting value or of getting full? When your opponent has a hand like ace-king, let's say, or a set or something, are they thinking about how am I going to get the most value possible from a king? Or are they thinking, all right, how can I get my opponent to like fold draws? This player would shift more towards the former. So if he, if he would have ace-king in the spot, he would be thinking, how, how do I get a king out? He's going to be thinking of extracting value and he isn't going to be as worried about a draw coming in so so with that thought i would be thinking that as james pointed out it's a smaller size but it's looking to target a call from king x yeah 
Well, that's good information. So does that shift our opponent maybe more towards the nut flush draw on the flop that picked up top pair? Uh, yeah, that would certainly be a hand he would play this way. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, of course, there's also the six combos of ace-king, too. It sure. sounds just yes. like it's shifting our opponent a little bit more towards value. Right. Mm -hmm. um, but I do also think that if he had a hand like king-queen of clubs, it might, do the, it might take the same line, because it's looking to call out um, a, a worse king while still being a very strong draw as well. So I do think there's a couple of those types of hands in there, too. Yeah. These are the kind of nebulous spots we get into pretty frequently on this show, I think. But um, you you elected to call here? Yeah, I chose to just call. So Call's nice because it can't really go wrong. Yeah, I think the more information you have, Raise definitely has a higher ceiling. That's sort of unquestionable to me. And I don't think it really matters how often your opponent is bluffing, given that like we think that their opponent's going to be bluffing with like relatively equitable hands. You know, because you mentioned like when the brick comes through, like you can induce a lot of bluffs. And that's true, and that's great. But we can also that's not that much better than the result of like raising versus draws on the turn. This hand, given that like those hands will either like put in money on the turn, not good, or fold, in which case like we don't have to pay them off. Which is nice because I don't really I don't really see us folding any rivers. Sure. I mean, are there any rivers where you're you would be planning on folding facing a bet? I don't think so. I don't think there's really much that I'm worried about folding on. Maybe the king of clubs, the king of clubs yeah. comes in. I mean that that's a particularly ugly card. Six of clubs, um, the jack of clubs, kind of ugly. But yeah, not very many cards, like three or four. Right. All right. So we uh we called. We call. So now we've got two seventy seven in the pot, and. Effective SPR at this point would be about 1.5 to 1 uh, mm -hmm. for the cutoff. And the river comes the 10 of clubs. And the opponent checks. So th this was the spot in game where I had, I, I was very split either way. So the 10 of clubs completes all the front door hands. And my opponent's checking on this. So the question I had in game is, is this a value bet? It seems really thin to be a value bet. I'm not sure what I would target that's worse, but at the same time, I don't know if my opponent is really checking flushes that often in this spot. So I don't know. What are, you, what are your thoughts on, on the Ten of Clubs River? It's... I think probably one of the handful of cards that would be considered pretty ugly for this hand. It is ugly. <laughs> That's for sure. Uh, although facing the check is nice. I guess in your view, like what is the, you know, it's, it's always possible, I guess, that like our opponent is sort of trapping us with a flush. That seems pretty unlikely. And I would say that the same thing is like 
sort of true want like with a straight or really any hand that's like always planning on calling has a lot of incentive just to shove in a spot like this so where do you where do you think that line might be uh would given... you be surprised to see a straight check call here i actually would not be surprised if my opponent had a straight that he would check call it the only problem i have with that though is i wouldn't expect him to have many combos of it it'd be exactly queen jack of spades or maybe jack nine of spades yeah jack nine of spades as well yeah well, we not, probably actually, can't no. rule out uh, there'd also be nine six of spades too so there's three combos of it but i think i think you're right they would all check call in this spot the problem is if that's the line we're dealing with a lot of like sets and two pairs as well plus maybe more straights than we think you know like we we don't think queen jack with like the queen of clubs plays this way but you know maybe that's, you know uh or jack you know we're not expecting jack nine of diamonds to bet the turn but who knows mm -hmm. so things things can get pretty bad for us on the like this hand is planning to check all side of things and yeah it, i just i think it's hard to get called by like uh, just an ace here and there's not that many of them it's hard for us to have a bluff at this point like there are you know there are a few in there but not too many most of them have a pair with like hands like 10 9 jack 10 of spades but yeah that's not that's not a lot of hands i feel pretty good about checking back yeah i i agree another thing is i don't know i guess i don't really expect our opponent to have check raised bluffs um so i was thinking about like maybe going for a smaller size but i just i just think it's yeah if our opponent is checking straights here then they're also checking better two pair and sets and uh, it's a bit tough yeah it's a bit tough to get called by worse yeah the other the side problem. though is there's a couple of worst two pairs that could be in there, even though we're blocking some. Like, like eight seven or ace seven. So there, there's there is a small section of value that can be targeted, and it would have to be with a small bet. I think, but. So if you were to bet, you would not shove. I I would not be shoving it. Um, I I was questioning whether to bet small or check. So small bet, probably something in like 80 or not 80. That's probably a little too small. Maybe like 90 or 100, somewhere in that range. If I were to choose to bet, but but I agree with you. Um, I chose to check this hand as well. Something uh, I would advise people to be careful with if they start playing against stronger players or players that are going to have some traps in their checking range. Like I think checking a flush here from our opponent might be a good play to kind of induce bluffs from our spade hands. I mean, maybe not because they become pairs. Um, anyway, um, what I was going to say is 
betting small in position on the river is something to be careful with because we're going to lose a lot of expected value when we can get raised there. So when we're in position, like from a theoretical standpoint, you want to be a little bit more polar now against a lot of opponents that aren't going to check raise bluff you fine, like bet small in position. But, um, as you face tougher opponents, um, it's just something to be a little bit careful with. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely agree with that. It's just I, I I wouldn't see people seeing through the small bet in this spot. Mm-hmm. No, to me the reason not to bet small is just really just to think it's not that large. It's just that I think uh, there's just not enough hands to call either bet. The hands that very likely will call these bets if you lose them. So yeah, here we all like to buy a lot. Uh, turn is interesting. There's some upside on the turn. The turn is definitely like, I think, the spot where one's exploitative chops are most consequential. Yeah, and, and I think everything else, I wouldn't say is clearly best, but it's all very, very highly defensible. What were the results? Wait, should we guess what his opponent had? If you want. All right. I'm going to guess. Wait, was the king a spade or a club? I keep forgetting. Uh, king was spade. Okay. I'm, I'm choosing a specific hand here. I'm going to... I'm going to say, like... Okay, ace, ace queen that was... That either was the flush draw or picked up the flush draw. I'm going to guess... Here's what I would say. If the hand wasn't on the podcast, I would say Ace King. Yeah. Even if the hand is on the podcast, I'm gonna say eight seven. Eight seven. Okay. Times. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think our we're both like in the same spot here. So results were uh, the opponent had Ace five of clubs, just the best hand by a mile. Okay. Yeah. So they were, there. yeah, it's pretty tricky. Yeah. No, that ended up going for the trap. I'm realizing also that I think I was thinking about the river sort of along lines of like we had an SPR similar to what we would have had we raised the turn. And that was, that's wrong. And that actually does give your opponent a lot more to track you. Yeah. I think the, the sizing is in line with that that type of hand that still feels like it wants to go for value and target those kinks on the turn. Yeah. yeah. Nice hand. Yeah, he must have been upset to see you check back. Oh, he was furious. He was yeah. definitely furious. <laughs> I, I, I told him I had two pair. And and he was just flabbergasted. He was flabbergasted that he didn't get it to check raise all in. I, I like his play, though. I mean, I like his line. I think, uh, yeah, I thought his line was, was good, too. Um, especially, I, I, I think the bet sizes he chose actually were were, were pretty solid. You're never checking back at set plus, so it's like, yeah, to see a little bit of value versus uh, 
two pair, perhaps, but you got to make sure that you're stacking flushes. Even though I do think flushes should be able to properly get away. Well, you've, uh, you haven't lost a step in your return to live poker. Very well played hand, uh, as you know. We wouldn't be surprised from you or any other long time chess hand system, but especially you, if you're also a chess hand member. Uh, so if you want to talk more hands with Yammerman, I would recommend also becoming a chess hands member. Yammerman, thank you so much for your time, for joining us again. James, appreciate your time. And to everybody else, we'll talk to you in a week.